Hello and welcome to episode 260 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson with me in Tahoe. State line, Nevada. Yeah, South Lake Tahoe. Okay. Is Nathan Fox. Uh, how's life, man? Life is good. Um, it's smoky as shit up here. I don't know if you know that California and Nevada are both like just on fire. Mm, I had heard that. Yeah, it's in the news. Yeah. I don't think there's any fires that are like super close to where I am. Um, but I played golf yesterday and it was like <clears throat> apocalyptic. Um, like you could just barely see the sun because it was like just <clears throat> coming through the smoke. Yeah. Um, so it's fucking weird. I don't know. Yeah. Did you, do you like cough or anything? Do you feel like, well, yeah, like I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if it's early in the morning and I'm drinking coffee or what's going on, but, um, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I mean, I could feel it like in my eyes and stuff. I don't think that it was the healthiest choice probably to play golf yesterday, but whatever. Gotta live, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, today on the show, as long as Nathan can make it through, we will be talking about <laughs> something saying not the same LSAT flex question mark. Okay. So something about the LSAT flex changing or whatever. This next one sounds interesting. <laughs> Nathan pissed off my coworker. Thanks. And I'm slow at logic. Games. Okay. Great. Okay. See what you said, Nathan. The next one is quote the con plateau. Okay. Uh, if we have time, we'll tackle a logical reasoning question from test 65 and B's personal statement. Oh, my favorite segment of the show, Ben. Yeah. Love it. So we don't, just so everybody knows, we no longer provide personal statement workshop, no, personal statement packages. Correct. We just don't have time with all the classes and demon work that we're doing, but we do like roasting them on the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in the LSAT Demon, I think we did make it for all Demon subscribers. As you hear this, uh, yeah, we're doing a workshop on personal statements as part of the LSAT Demon. So it's not too late if you're not a subscriber to the Demon. If you want to, uh, if you <laughs> if you like what you hear later, when we roast the shit out of B's personal statement, um, you can come to our personal statement <laughs> workshop that we do in the Demon. Yeah. All right. Later this week, the August LSAT Flex will start. Uh, that's on Saturday, August 29th. On Wednesday, September 30th, so a month from that day, will be the November LSAT deadline, uh, the registration deadline. So that's at the end of September. And then the October LSAT Flex Week will start Saturday, October 3rd. You can always email the show at help at thinkinglsat.com. Send us your selfies, leave a review on iTunes, and so on. A uh, quick update did we mention on the last show that the october lsat is now a flex test i don't know i think that did, that was announced in between the episodes yeah that's the un totally unsurprising new news that october is now a flex test um they should just stop saying flex i mean they should just that's just the lsat now just the lsat yeah i think they should add a fourth section of logical reasoning to restore balance to the universe. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. And heck, while you're at it, add an experimental section. They can start creating new content again. Yeah. And release tests so that we have new material to work with. Yeah. That's one downside. Getting bored with the 9,000 questions that we already have. We've seen multiple times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. 
Let's jump into this first email from Hannah. Do you want to read it? Sure. Hannah says, Hi, I am a new listener to your podcast and have enjoyed the friendly banter as I suffer through studying. In your most recent episode, you mentioned the LSAT being the same for all test takers and how that may affect cheating. I listened to, apologies, another podcast where they identified the June LSAT Flex as a compilation of multiple tests, some sections that were even previously released as experimental sections. Well, they wouldn't have actually been released. They would have been on tests as experimental sections, but not actually released. Hmm. According to that podcast, the LSAT Flex changes about every two hours. I had two main questions about this. One, is it true? Or at the very least, is there an accurate way of even determining this? Two, if it is true, how do you think this affects scores? How would you create a conversion scale against other students who have taken the test? Since I'm a new listener, this may be something you have previously discussed. So apologies if that's the case. I am intrigued to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Hannah. What do you think, Ben? Is it true? (laughs) I have no idea. How are these other podcasts like... (laughs) One, how do they have the time to like, they always, these, I always hear about this. Like you have these like people who go off on these tangents and like, oh yeah, we've, we've looked at all the data and we predict that the next LSAT will have one evaluate question. I'm like, I don't have time to sit there and figure that out. And (laughs) that's completely unhelpful. Just nerdery. Yeah. Speculating about what's going to come on the next test is not helpful. Um, I prefer Ben to just randomly speculate. Okay, go for it. I bet it's true that the test changes, but I bet all they do is they just shuffle up the order of the sections. Well, I was thinking as we were reading this that maybe one way to change the test is to alternate the LR section because now they could, right? They only have one, so they could use one and then the other because they have twice as many LR questions as they do all their questions in their bank. But that would be super fucked up to give different people different tests. That makes no sense. Why does it matter? I don't see how it matters. Because at the end of the day, you just have to get a score, right? I mean, okay. (laughs) We're having an existential conversation. (laughs) Nothing fucking matters. Like it doesn't, (laughs) who gives a shit about anything at all? But like from, I don't know, it's just a sort of basic standard of fairness. Gives a shit if, about anything at all? For, for real. <laughs> pay for law school. Matters. We don't care. Do it. <laughs> no, that matters. Don't <laughs> fucking pay for law school. Do not pay for law school, especially in 2020. Especially in fall of 2020, don't fucking pay for law school. Yeah. I beg you, like, please, if you're planning to go this fall and you're about to pay tuition, do not under any circumstances, do not do that. Keep your money. Do not sign your life away to go to law school online this fall. (laughs) That would be exceptionally stupid of you. Other than that, Ben, nothing fucking matters. I don't care. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Um, Nah, (laughs) just, I don't know. Like it just kind of seems strange that if you're taking the August LSAT or whatever, I would think that everybody who takes the August LSAT would be taking the same test. But I mean, maybe this is why none of them are disclosed, right? They're not disclosing it because they're like trying to shake it up. And, 
But I don't know how they would come up with so many game sections. So I wonder if it's just different because they changed the LR and they changed the order of these sections, like you're saying. I don't know. It's strange. I don't know. It's 2020 and <laughs> shit's fucking weird. I also, you know, like we were texting a little bit about this yesterday. People are killing the flex. They are. You want more random speculations? Go for it. It's all a big fucking scam. Law schools are desperate for applicants. The LSAC is mobbed up with the schools. I mean, the LSAC is the schools, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just like, they basically just made the scoring scales easier because they needed qualified applicants. They needed people to be applying. Hmm. And so, because <laughs> I mean, well, it's either that or it's accommodations or it's just that the demon is that good. But I mean, we're hearing, you know, I was texting Anne yesterday and she's like, hey, what's going on? Are people killing the flex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are killing the flex. I don't know. Maybe people are more comfortable taking the test at home. Online, three sections, shorter. Games count for a little bit more. So if you master the games, that's like free points, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, should, you shouldn't ever miss a question on the logic game. So maybe that's part of what's going on is that it's easier to score in the 170s now because games count for a third of the test instead of 25% of the test. Yeah. I feel sorry for the blind guy who sued the LSAC about getting rid of the games. (laughs) They count for more now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It wasn't part of their settlement, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think our answer for Hannah is we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. So we don't know if they're changing every two hours or what, but I mean... Regarding her question, she does say this. If it is true, in other words, if they do you know, change the test or whatever, how do you think this affects scores? How would you create a conversion scale against other students who have taken the test? Well, one thing is because it's none of these tests are disclosed, they don't actually have to disclose the conversion scale either. So all that can be kept in-house. Um, so maybe Oh, you have, could just have a different conversion scale because you took a different test. Mm-hmm. You could have It'd multiple. be like, we could do that in the demon, right? We could just be like, hey, you take prep test three and you take prep test 33. You each get your own scale. Yep. And we'll give you a score. Each of you don't, you don't see each other's test because we're not going disc- to disclose it. You know, I mean, my advice for Hannah is stop worrying about shit that doesn't matter to you. Like there's nothing you could, one, there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Two, it just, you know, like whatever, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Nothing matters anyway, but it doesn't, <laughs> this especially doesn't matter <laughs> because you need to take the LSAT if you want to go to school. And so, you know, you just got to go take the test. Um, it's the flex. Uh, apparently it's easier now. <laughs> I don't know. Um, good luck. You know, if, if someone else takes a different test than you took, yeah, maybe your test was easier than theirs. Maybe their test was easier than yours. You'll never know. And there's nothing you could do about it. So study, <laughs> do the best you can. Yeah. I think some listeners might wonder, oh, well, if the LSAT flex is easier now, our law school is going to view it differently than other test scores. But I don't think law schools care because at the end of the day, they're not going to have to report to U.S. News and World Report whether you have a 172 flex or a 172 regular. And so at the end of the day, like 
they may think in the back of their heads, oh, the flex was easier. More people are getting 172s. doesn't matter. That's the score that they get to report for you. You're worth a 172 to them. You know, maybe Yale, Stanford, Harvard. Might consider. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start saying them in that order, by the way. Yale, Stanford, Harvard. Okay. How come? Harvard's not the best one. I mean, Yale and Stanford are both more selective than Harvard. So why do we say Harvard? Why do we say HYS? We should say YSH. You're saying they have a higher, uh, they're more selective. So they have a. Yeah. Harvard has a higher acceptance rate. I mean, Harvard accepts like 11% of applicants. Yale and Stanford accept like 8% Mm. of applicants. It's not like hugely different, but I mean. It is but Yale and Stanford are harder to get into. Although are more Harvard. people applying to Harvard, like is there just a ton of shit? Harvard's people? a way bigger school. Yeah, and there are more people, and there are way more people applying to Harvard. But yeah, I mean Yale and Stanford are both more selective. Hmm. Yale and Stanford are the only two schools that accept less than ten percent of their applicants. Every other law school accepts more than 10% of their applicants, including Harvard. I mean, most law schools accept, and this is like the real risk, what I think you were getting at. Mm. Most schools are not nearly as selective as they would lead you to believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> most schools want to admit you. Yeah. So whether you took the flex or another test, they don't give a shit. Like they're not thinking about it the way you think they're thinking about it. They're not like, Ooh, 170, but it was on a flex. Hmm. I don't know. You know, yeah. if it's, if we're talking about Hastings or some other like mediocre regional school, a school like Hastings, they see the 170 you're in period. Like they don't give a fuck what else, what test that was. <laughs> they're no, just they look at very those scores, grateful that you have a 170. They look at those scores like money. A higher score is worth money to them because it raises their ranking, which then increases their applicant pool and yada, yada, yada. It just (laughs) – Dude. That's why they pay money for higher scores. If you're a new listener, (laughs) welcome to the show. (laughs) Law school is a fucking scam. It's a business. All they care about is your money. And they will give you a scholarship if you get a good enough LSAT score. They'll let you go for free. So that they can raise the prestige of their school, so that they can rip off less qualified applicants. That's the game we're playing. Yeah, I think some We've people think that ben like, for, oh, I got a high score, and they're admitting me because of my merit. Like it's they they want to reward me for my genius. No, <laughs> no, they want it's to super buy hard to your get genius. into this. Yeah, Hastings is oh my god, I'm I'm so fortunate to have been admitted to this pre prestigious school. No, fuck that. <laughs> Half the people who go to a school like Hastings never end up practicing law. Most of the people who go to Hastings come out with crushing debt. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking scam. Do not pay tuition under any circumstances. Welcome to episode 260 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. We have never stopped talking about this and I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop saying <laughs> do not pay for law school, get a scholarship yeah. and the scholarship comes from your LSAT and the scholarship, they don't give a shit. I mean, Hey, evidence might show that people start getting, you know, that whatever people who took the flex don't get as much scholarship money. <laughs> I'll believe that if I see it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'd, I would be shocked. They need, desperately need you at their school. Yeah. 
right? People need to flip this. This is not, I'll be lucky to get in. This is, they would be privileged to have you. And and they should let you go for free. Otherwise, you should not go there. Yeah. Hey, you know, about your uh, hypothetical situation where people who have a flex score get lower scholarship amounts, I would argue, correlation causation here, that it's not because they applied with a flex score and then that score was valued less because it's a flex test. I would say it's valued less because there are more higher LSAT scores out there which would ultimately water down yeah. supply, right? Right, which is also happening because of accommodations. Yep. I mean, the accommodations issue is that's the apocalypse is still in full fucking swing. I mean, I wonder if we have any current data on that. I was curious because remember it kept going oh, up every year. It's ha- it has to be still going up. Yeah, I, I it's like every. Um, I mean, not every one, not literally every one, but like three quarters of my private tutoring students. Three quarters are, are accommodated. Well, dude. Whoa. Yeah. People are rich. They're used to getting special treatment. Mm-hmm. They can afford to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for private tutoring. They aren't doing as well as they would like. And they've been accommodated already in elementary school and in college, you know, and whatever. And like, I just, it happens all the time. I see somebody come in with a 155 and they're like, yeah, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in college. And I'm like, oh, well, did you get accommodations on the LSAT? Huh? What? Accommodations? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, everybody gets accommodations who asks for them. Would you like time and a half? Oh, would you like double time? Because <laughs> whatever you ask for, that's what they're going to give you. Would you like double time? Yeah, double time. Sure. Okay. Yeah. What you have to do, dear listeners, you have to register for an LSAT, pay them the 200 bucks. Then you have to fill out the forms on the website. By the way, if you have any problem filling out the forms, just call them. You will be granted your accommodations. All you need is a note from your doctor. It can just be your normal, regular physician. (laughs) And you just need the physician to say, oh, yeah, this person has a. It can be anything these days, right? It's like, oh, you had a surgery a year ago and you still have pain. (laughs) Back pain. Pain makes it harder for you to process the test. And so you should get time and a half. (laughs) and then you go from 155 to 170 like that because you have 50 percent more time than everyone else taking the test now that has the serious potential to devalue in the eyes of the law schools right i mean Mm -hmm. they seems like they should be discounting the lsat because they don't know who got accommodations so if there's all of a sudden this wave of 170s coming in Oh, yeah, that's the other thing that changed. They used to know if you got accommodated, but now they don't. Oh, yeah, man. the asterisk went away. So yeah. the, so now they don't know. But, I mean, because it's just such a fucking industry, right? It, it's a business. They want your money. They don't really care. <laughs> what are they going to do? Like, it's not like shrink the size of their school? No, they're not going to do that. So they don't have a choice. Um, I would, I definitely would anticipate though, that like the five Oh nines should start reflecting higher LSAT ranges. 
We'll see. If anybody has the uh, latest, are you looking it up? I am looking at it. Okay, so I don't have the latest data, but I do have some interesting data here. So this is, uh, unfortunately, only goes through 2017, so it's three years old. I'm sorry, but it says... When this this study was conducted over five years, and it says here are the key takeaways. So the first one is that the number of requests for accommodations increased greatly from for the five years, starting at fifteen hundred about or sixteen hundred in two thousand twelve, and going up to almost four thousand in uh, two thousand seventeen. Um, also, the number of approvals, of course, went up. And then check this out. This is interesting. In the first two years of this five-year period, the learning disorder category was by far the largest number of test takers who got accommodations. In the last three years, it shifted to the ADHD category. So that became yeah. the main you know, uh, request or reason for a request of accommodations. And... I had forgotten this. We have talked about this before, but I had forgotten that the under the consent decree, you know, from the Ninth Circuit case or whatever that they lost, time and a half became the minimum extra time accommodation. (laughs) It's just so so freaking bizarre. It's like, I need help. Okay, well, we're either going to give you 35 minutes or we're going to have to give you time and a half. We can't just give you 40 minutes or whatever. I mean, I know it all seems arbitrary, but at least it wasn't such a, you know, blunt object (laughs) to try to solve the problem. Oh, here's some more information. Sorry. Uh, So in this study, it said accommodated extra time test takers had higher average LSAT scores in 18 of the 20 test administrations. Oh, I thought they were going to give me the amount. Uh, Shoot, it doesn't tell us. I was hoping I would know performance. Okay, well, anyways. um, It does not level the playing field. It is an unfair advantage. Time and a half is too much time. Time and a half is absurd, and double time is extra, extra, super absurd. Okay, it's not fair. It says here's this is from a study that was I don't know who conducted this, but I think it was conducted by LSAC. It says while those who switched from non-accommodated to accommodated testing conditions, specifically extra time, they don't tell us the number, but they said exhibited very high gains on score gains. On <laughs> no shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. It's like you know the uh what's it called the the basketball game in the um you know the basketball game in the uh arcade where you yeah. just shoot hoops, mm-hmm. you know the balls keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You get 60 seconds, I get 90 seconds. <laughs> go. Go. <laughs> I'd still be you know. <laughs> Uh yeah, I don't know. Um anyways, that's that. You know I'm joking. Yeah, I'd probably lose even if I had the extra time. <laughs> I, I don't care. Um, get <laughs> get accommodated is the lesson here. I mean, if you have any credible case, or if you're just house slithering and don't give a fuck, um, yeah, get accommodated. Like, please go get extra time. Nothing matters. I might morally, I might judge you, but uh, whatever. You're a lawyer. You don't give a fuck about people judging you, clearly. So well, go get accommodated you're going into and a instantly improve your LSAT by 10 points. Uh, you're going into a profession that is predominantly obsessed with what 
is right is equal to what is legally possible. Is it legally yeah. possible to get accommodations? Yes. Yep. You can get it. No one is going to arrest you for anything, and it can be all out in the public. And uh, no, the law schools never start, never stop talking about justice, and it is zero percent about justice. It's not about justice. It's about who has the best lawyers, and you're going to win. Mm-hmm. It's it's <laughs> there's nothing but loopholes. The best lawyers win. Normally, the best lawyers are the ones who are the most expensive. So money is going to win in almost every legal context. And in this case, it's certainly no exception. You know, the people who have fancy private tutors, the people who have the resources to go out and get a letter from their doctor, those people now get extra time and they get a higher LSAT score and then they win. And that's, uh, sorry, but that's that's the game we're playing, really. Yeah. So... God, this is a particularly dark episode. So the next one is about you <laughs> pissing off someone. <laughs> oh, good. I guess good. I'll, oh, it's my turn. I guess I'll read it. Hello. It's your turn, yeah. Hello, exclamation point. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> I love the podcast. Your dry humor is hilarious. Also, Nathan pissed off a paralegal I work with when she took his class. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. I don't remember exactly what he said, just that he, not surprisingly, didn't sugarcoat it and didn't stroke her ego, which did not sit well with her. She's hyper competitive, goes out of her way to prove how much smarter she is than me. Whoa, there's a lot going on here. Um, yada, yada, yada. Come on, you could read it. Okay. Prove how much smarter she is than me in email chains with attorneys. Shits on my thrift store finds who hates thrifting and just overall kind of sucks. So (laughs) thanks, Nathan. You're welcome. I'm glad I pissed off your shitty coworker. Glad we were able to kind of stir that manure. It was starting to get dry. (laughs) Anyways, uh, she continues. I'm hoping you can give me some advice. I've been studying for a while and I'm scoring well on my practice tests. 170s with a high of 179. That's awesome. I can usually get through LR and RC on time without issue, but I have to really try on games. And sometimes then I don't. Even then I don't. Wow. She's scoring in the high 170s and her problem is games? Well, I mean, she did score a high of 179. Her problem was not games on that test. (laughs) Her problem wasn't anything on that test because she missed like three total out of 100. Yeah. Um. This is a very promising situation. If you are good at LR and RC, but you suck at games, games is the easiest section to improve on. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't been able to get to through the last game more than a few times recently. I will still score in the high 160s, low 170s, though, because I usually don't miss many in LR and RC. Good. Okay. She says, I've worked on games more than I have on any other section. I've literally done almost every single game ever released. Okay. There are maybe. Literally almost. <laughs> literally almost. Well, that's it's pretty easy to be literal there. Um, there are maybe 14 from the 90s left. 90s? Because she's saving that? Wait, wait, what? There's not even ni- 90s. The highest test number is 89 right now. Right now, yeah. Okay. Whereas, hmm, hmm she's, she's maybe got access. Maybe she means access. 1990s. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. 
Which is actually from the very beginning of this of the test. Or she hacked LSAC. <laughs> which based on what we've seen of their security seems possible. I don't know. <laughs> We're not hackers. We don't know how to teach that shit, but that, would that surprise you at all, Ben, if you if we found out that someone had <laughs> hacked the LSAC supercomputers? I'm not even yeah, this must be the nineties, the time frame, because Yeah, she that's what she means, the nineteen yeah. nineties. Without yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Wherefore I've done maybe one eighth of all reading comp passages and one fourth of all LR questions, if that. Why aren't I as fast on games? Am I just dense or question mark? What can I do? I was progressing a lot on time. They used to take me like thirty minutes each, laughing my ass off. Okay, but now I feel like I've plateaued. Praise the demon and fuck that paralegal, Kate. Whoa. Um, well, okay, so it sounds like Kate is a demon subscriber and probably yep. just needs to redo some of the games that she's doing Totally. with worlds in different ways, doing it without worlds. Just like you got to stretch your mind. You got to expand it beyond just, oh, I got that game. Or I did that game and I got them all right, and so I'm not going to look at that game again. Like, did it take? That's what I do these days, you know, <laughs> teaching classes in the Demon. By the way, um, Demon Live subscribers have multiple events they can come to on Zoom with me and with our other awesome teachers. Seven days a week, there are multiple live offerings seven days a week in the Demon, and you should come talk to us. This is a question that Kate could have asked in class. When I do teach games in class, which I do uh, three nights a week now, I look at the game in the Demon and I'm like, well, this game already has three videos from Ben and two videos from me, Mm -hmm. and let me just try to do something weird here. So yeah. I will try to do the game in a weird, different way. Like I'll purposely try to solve it in some way that I didn't previously solve it. That's an awesome enrichment exercise for Kate mm-hmm. and for other students. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find myself almost every night uh, being like, hey, you know, you, Kate, whoever just asked this question, your homework is to redo this game, but try to make worlds Oh, you already made worlds? Okay, redo the game without making worlds. Oh, you, you, you know, you want Oh, you did. You made worlds based on the big block. Okay, that's normally a good trigger for making worlds. By the way, we have lessons on all this stuff in the demon. But you made worlds based on this big block. Oh, did you think about making worlds based on this conditional? Mm-hmm. Or did you think about making worlds on this other guy? Like, look at. P. Do you see how P was mentioned in the first rule and the second rule? You could have maybe made worlds based on P. And so then your homework is go make worlds based on P, go make worlds based on Q, go make worlds based on R, redo the game three different ways. Mm -hmm. Because what we're really trying to teach more than anything else is a flexible improvisational approach to the games. Yeah right? There's not one solution. It's not like, oh, you know, it's not like, well, I watched Ben's video and he did it this way and I understand. Mm -hmm. So now let me move on. Well, okay. But what if you couldn't do it that way? Like, what if you weren't allowed to do it that way? Then what would you do? I agree. 
So now you have a whole bunch more games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got all, let's see, prep tests 1 through 89, A, B, C, J. Yep, potentially F. <laughs> okay, so you've got, yeah, 93 times 4 is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Is big. <laughs> Basically, you could do one game a day for a full year. Yeah. Without redoing the same game, right? And when you do a game, don't just do it one way. Don't like try to master it. Try to do it some other way. And and I think then Kate, you'll you'll make more progress on the games. Um the other thing I would say is just keep grinding it out. Because it's like improvement on the games tends to happen in spurts, right? So she could be just like right on the precipice of making another big jump. Totally. Could be right around the corner. So keep grinding it out, Kate. Just to clarify that, like what's happening in some cases, it's like you finally kind of get it with worlds or something like that. And now every time you do a time section of games, one or two of those games you're doing worlds and doing them very quickly. And now you have this extra time that you can pour into a game that otherwise would have prevented you from finishing. And so you're missing like three, four questions on that game before, and now you're completely done. And it's not like you can't answer these questions, especially if you're scoring where you're scoring. You can figure it out. You just need more time. Yeah. When you make, I mean, there's game, the games have big inferences in them, right? So it tends to be all or nothing. Like if you, if you realize that, uh, Z has to go at one o'clock, or if you realize that Grant has to be on stage, Mm -hmm. you know, if you make one of those big inferences, then it's not just like you go slightly faster. You, you, you save five minutes. Yeah. Cause you're not rethinking about that every time and figuring it out every time. Right. Yeah. The thing for Kate to, I guess, realize is that, um, 35 minutes is, uh, can be, if you get better, Kate, 35 minutes can actually be way too much time for these games. I mean, it's possible. And some people do, end up completing the whole section in 20 minutes or 25 minutes. So, you know, Kate seems to be thinking like, well, I need to race the clock because I, you know, I, I, I almost get there. And it's like, I would want Kate to be greedier in the way she does the games. Mm -hmm. Like it's actually not good, Kate, to grind through the first game in eight minutes and grind through the second game in eight minutes. You know, people, if like, if you're monitoring the time, you probably think you're doing well, mm-hmm. right? 35 minutes divided by four is eight minutes and 45 seconds per game. But if you did game one in eight minutes and you did game two in eight minutes and you did game three in eight minutes, I would not be happy. You still might not finish because <laughs> if you, if the last game doesn't click for you, you're not going to get there. So I bet Kate is kind of brute forcing it. Mm. She's worried about the time. So she's not probably building worlds that are going to really unlock the game instead she's just kind of grinding it out yeah you you see what i'm saying right Mm -hmm. yeah she's smart enough to like force her way through these answers right but instead what she should be doing is spending 
and that's a bit ironic, I suppose, for people who are novices, or, but you probably need to spend more time on your setup because once you do, the questions become like trivially easy. Mm-hmm. I think I, I did it. Um, it was actually kind of interesting. It was on Tuesday night this week. I did a game. I tried to do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. What game? And I was, I felt like I was fucking up. Mm-hmm. I like made worlds on a very simple game and it wasn't actually the best candidate to make worlds. And so I ended up making like four worlds, which got split into six worlds and they still weren't fully complete. And I was kind of explaining to the class, like, Hey, you know, this turns out to be not the greatest approach. Everything that I've done here is correct, but it's not like, this is not a home run. Like I haven't like totally smashed this one, (laughs) but then I looked at the questions and it was like, that's the answer. 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 So Mm -hmm. it was like six minutes for this awkward setup Mm -hmm. and then 45 seconds to answer all the questions. And so even though it wasn't what I considered to be like a crazy home run, it still paid off. Yeah. And, um, so I guess that's, that's what Kate needs to be thinking about here is like, get greedy, become a power hitter, try to do the games, you know, set them up in such a way that you can answer the whole thing in five minutes. That's what we're really looking for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sweet. Next one. You remember which game it was? Just curious. Uh, I can look it up for you after it was on, it was on Tuesday's agenda. Um, it's all there in the demon, by the way. Not to make this like a sales pitch for the demon, but uh, we do record all of our classes. They're all in there in the past events. I mean, there's if you subscribed right now, you could watch hundreds of hours of the recorded live classes, uh, not to mention full explanations for every LSAT question that ever existed. Um, it's the best LSAT preparation that exists. Dude, period. You know those medical commercials that have like the. Um the disclaimers in this like monotone voice as like people are frolicking <laughs> through the the grasslands, you know, and everybody's playing with their kids and smiling. Taking bathtub, uh, taking baths side by side. <laughs> yeah. Outside. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It's like potential side effects include, you know, vomiting and death. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and everybody's happy. But anyways, I want to make a demon ad with those same like monotone disclosures, but it's like, you know, potential side effects include not paying for law school and <laughs> learning that the law <laughs> That's a good is not idea. for you. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. That'd be fun. Anyway, um, the con plateau. You got this? <laughs> yeah, the, I already know this is going to be sad. Um, <laughs> hi, Nathan, Ben, and Annalisa. That's A dot, by the way, our awesome producer. Mm hmm. I'm a regular podcast listener. You guys are great. Thanks for volunteering so much of your time to educate us wannabes. I started studying for the LSAT in April. I didn't want to spend any money, so I signed up for Khan Academy. Oops. My diagnostic was 159, with my weakest section being logic games. Holy cow. I didn't know at the time, but I was well positioned to reach the 170s. Oh, absolutely. 159 is a bitchin' starting score. That's amazing. If I see a 159 starting score, I'm like, yeah, you got this. Like, you're going to end up in the 170s basically yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
After nearly four months using Khan, my score improved by six points. Wah, wah. You know what? That's weird. How do you use, how do you even use Khan for four months? I don't know. Aren't there only like a couple tests? I thought there was t- 10 maybe, or is that, oh, the, 10. The, is that the paid one? I, is there a paid one for Khan? I don't know. It's the explanations are such garbage. I gave up on con long ago when I had tutoring students who were like, okay, I, I had a tutoring student who I think was scoring the one fifties. And he told me that the first day he started using con, it said, what score do you want to get? And he put in one seventy (laughs) two. Right, because of the gamification weird yeah, shit that yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And then they said, how much time do you have? <laughs> I was like, and he said, he's like, he was just total, in total disbelief, but he's like, I have a month. And it's like, okay, based on your goals and timeline, you ha- they just took the 172 minus his, like, I think, let's just say his 152. They took his 20 points and they... They divided it by a month and said, by the end of this week, you're going to have to be seven points higher. And when he didn't yeah. reach that, they were like, you're not achieving your goal. <laughs> it's easy math, dude. All you need to do is study for 14 hours a day for the next week and you'll improve by seven points. And then you just study 14 hours a day for the next week and then you improve by another seven points because that's how it works. It's linear <laughs> steady improvement and it's just it's not about the quality of the explanations or the quality of time you're putting in it's just only about the amount of effort that's it how strong would you like to be uh i'd like to be as strong as arnold schwarzenegger was when he did t2 okay how much time do you have i have 16 days go you need to lift nine thousand pounds four fourteen thousand times every hour I stopped listening to Khan Academy when they were going off about principal questions. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sure sign that your LSAT teacher doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about when they start talking about principal questions. There is no such thing as a principal question. They're either strengthened or must be true. There is no such thing as a principal question. The word principal on the LSAT doesn't mean anything at all. Literally, you could cross it out and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it means thing. That's it. And there is no such thing as a principal question. Nonetheless, Khan Academy, endorsed by the LSAC, thinks that there is such a thing as the principal question. Yep. They literally do not understand their own test. Anyway, continuing on with this email. So four months of studying with Khan. Okay. And we improved by six points. This was exciting. No, it's not. But I was ready for a challenge. I was disappointed, however, because it seemed like I'd used up all of Khan's available questions. I guess they have a limited number of tests that they draw from. Yeah, because they don't want to give it away because they have to sell it to you. I'd heard you mention the demon on the podcast and decided that spending a hundred bucks for an extra point or two was reasonable. I signed up for a basic membership at the end of July. I'm not what you might call a power user. I logged about 10 hours in drill time and I've only taken three tests. I scored a 169 today and most of my wrong answers were guesses at the end of the sections. That's a four point increase in less than a month with only casual use. Your explanations are so much better than cons. I'd plateaued at 165 using con. Now I feel like I've unlocked the test. I'm taking the October LSAT and I'm confident that I'll be well into the 170s by that time with the help of the demon. 
I love that the drilling questions are so hard because when I sit down to take an actual test, the questions seem basic in comparison. It reminds me of singing lessons. You practice songs at the top of your range so that when you perform mid-range songs, they seem easy. Anyway, thank you guys. Really appreciate what you do. Praise the demon, Elon. Ellen? Elon? Ellen? Elon? Elon, probably, right? Elon, But not spelled like Elon Musk. It's Elon with an A. With an A. Anyway, thank you. By the way, I noticed that Elon has an eye for style in writing. Move the however into the middle of the sentence. Super uncommon, but the best way it should be used. Commas where necessary before and to prevent a run-on. I don't know. A lot of little things that it's longer. It's wordy. Variety of sentences. Mm-hmm. Some longer sentences, some shorter, mostly shorter sentences. Mm-hmm. Some longer sentences. Mm-hmm. I love the M dash there in the second to the last paragraph. Yeah. The one uh, one line final paragraph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elon's got some writing game. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to skip the LR question and just do the personal statement? Sure. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm a big fan of the podcast and the demon. I want and want to thank you for creating them. You're welcome. I'm wondering if you're able to review my personal statement on or off the podcast. I have no doubt that you'll be brutally honest. Also, I'm signed up for your August 25th personal statement workshop. Awesome. See you tomorrow. I also want to say that Nathan has exquisite taste in television. He's 100% accurate when he says that what we do in the shadows is worth watching and that Braun is one of the best characters in Game of Thrones. Yeah, okay. It's true. Looking forward to What we to- do in the shadows is hilarious. It's so, so fucking funny. They got like eight Emmy nominations, which is great because I hope they keep making that show forever. Oh, cool. Looking forward to not paying for law school and glad my name isn't Jeff. Oh, did we go after a Jeff on the show, maybe? Eh, fuck Jeff. I don't know. Regards, B. <laughs> All right, B. Well, your name is B, the letter. Um, this is your personal statement? Uh-oh. Okay. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I said oh because the first two words are I'm drawn. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical this is going to work out. Yeah, um, brace yourself, <laughs> B. <laughs> Uh, let's call B Braun. Braun, yeah. Braun is an awesome name. Yep. And an awesome character on Game of Thrones. Cool. So Braun starts out I'm drawn to studying law because of its dependency on deriving meaning from language. Fall <laughs> <laughs> asleep. Oops. I'm trying to derive meaning from that sentence. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? What? It's dependency on deriving meaning from language. There are several problems with this. We could do a whole show on how bad that sentence is. It is I mean, this, the sentence itself is fine. It, it, it's just that it doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. It's also talking about your like interests. Like I'm inter- anybody can be interested in anything. I'm interested in spycraft. That doesn't mean I am worthy of <laughs> attempting that ever in my life. Um, yeah, we care what you did, not what you're 
interested in. I don't want to know what you think. I don't know. I don't want to know what you feel. <laughs> I don't want to know what you want. I want to know what you did. You have to show me what you what you are, not tell me. Yeah. You'll reveal what you think and what you feel through your actions. That's the thing. You know, they say a picture is a thousand words. When you tell us what you did, you're creating a picture. And from that picture, we can infer a lot about you that you don't have to waste time telling us. And it's, and it's believable. Also, you're telling law schools about the glory of law? This is a real, real bad move. You're now an expert. Does law depend on deriving meaning from language or not? Well, what's I mean, your standing like to make that claim? Question. Yeah. Are you a fucking judge? Like, are you writing? Is this a, an opinion that you're writing in a court case? I mean, this sounds like a dissent from in a like a you know, like a Supreme Court case or something. Yeah. Oh, I disagree <laughs> with the majority because the dependency of law. <laughs> Law depends on deriving meaning from language and blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> you're misunderstanding the point of this document. This mm-hmm. do- I'm here to learn about you. And uh, what I want to know is, like, what you've done. I don't want I don't give a shit about your opinion on, boy, of all the things I don't care about, what a pre-law student <laughs> thinks about the law. <laughs> A prepubescent lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Braun continues. Whoa. In each of my roles, where? (laughs) Okay. In each of my roles, you need a comma here. Comma, I've used language as a tool to improve the things around me. A tool that I've sharpened through persistent trial and error, comma, although it has typically been the errors that give me the most memorable lessons. <laughs> this is just, you're going to have to cut all of this. None of this, none of this matters. And this is obnoxious, <laughs> bloviating is what this is. Man, if I was an admissions person, I don't know how much farther I would be reading in this document. Uh, you know, I'd be like, what's your LSAT score? What's your GPA? I yeah. already was going to admit you anyway. If your numbers are high enough, I'm just going to be like gagging and I'll just be like, <laughs> like I'll be cringing and like, okay. Yeah, you plug, you plug your nose and you accept it. Admitted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hopefully we can teach you some things once you get here. On the <laughs> other hand, if you're on the bubble <laughs> and I have to choose between you and someone else, I almost am just going to like no look stamp the other one admitted <laughs> because this one is like just – Oh, super obnoxious. I do not want to read more of this. Okay. No, like your roles, like what you've had, like, what have you been a, like you said, have you been a judge or are you a paralegal? And even right, then, you're not making a case for yourself. I like, I, <laughs> one, I just don't believe you. Mm-hmm. You really, you've used language as a tool to improve the things around you. <laughs> like what? Really? <laughs> okay. What? <clears throat> I mean, don't get me wrong. If the next sentence starts with like evidence to support that claim, then great. I mean, we still want to cut these first two sentences because I don't need the conclusion. I just need the evidence. But I, 
will be shocked if we actually get evidence of Braun using language as a tool to improve the things around him. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> the next sentence. And this is getting worse, by the way. I first realized that I enjoyed solving the puzzles of language when I began studying French. More stench is filling the room. <laughs> <laughs> solving the puzzles of language. Okay. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> You're learning French. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, learn it. Translating back and forth between languages brought me great feelings of accomplishment. Uh-oh. You're telling us how you feel. A chain little Trumpian re- there, by the way, with the use of <clears throat> the word great. Yeah. An accomplishment. I think that word might be canceled. Yeah. <clears throat> this is purely a conclusion, by the way. I mean, you like translating? Great. But, I mean, just brought me great feelings of accomplishment. I don't give a fuck about your feelings. And, yeah, doing hard stuff, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's nice. It does feel good. This is very so Trumpian. What? He could say this. Um, meeting daily with my support staff to address the pressing COVID challenge, that unprecedented COVID challenge facing our nation that no other president has ever had to face or encounter. <laughs> I have great feelings of accomplishment and couldn't be more proud of what we have done. It's just My like, great leadership of my <laughs> great staff in this great country. In, in these unprecedented times. All right, so this is interesting. The the next sentence says, a chain reaction followed. Okay, this is like passive, which is bizarre. But A a chain reaction is the subject of that? A chain reaction. What did the chain reaction do? It It followed. followed. (laughs) Mm. Wow. (laughs) Semicolon. I applied. What? And was accepted to my high school French exchange program. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I, dude, does anyone listen to this show? <laughs> Bron, are you writing this just to like mock all our things that we say against people? I feel like every personal statement we ever read on this show is totally just trolling us. I feel like they intentionally, it's like professionally written. Like, Annalisa, did you do this? Did you write this? <laughs> like, this is I unbelievable. It's like, it's like Matt and Annalisa and Jackson and, like, the whole team. They're getting together. They're like, hey, we're going to totally fuck Ben and Nathan. Can't wait until they read this. They're going to be pissed. Yeah, seriously. Great <laughs> feelings, like, of accomplishment? That's just, like, a nothing sentence. A chain reaction followed. Semi-colon. Dude, that reminds me. <laughs> a chain reaction followed reminds me of... Um, <laughs> Remember when the what was it when the bomb? Oh, <laughs> this is a lot. I'm gonna fuck it up because it was a long time ago. Yeah, that's a that's a callback to a, a very old. This had to be like probably in the '90s or something. You know, episode '90, whatever. Someone wrote a personal statement that included the phrase "an explosion went off." <laughs> like afraid of. Trying to like yeah. just say that people got hurt. Or a something. chain reaction. What did it do? <laughs> it, it followed. It, it reacted. 
Oh my goodness. Semicolon. Okay. And then we're not even done dude, with this sentence. Well, also, we're in fucking high school now. Are you kidding me? You applied. Yeah. Not only did you apply, <laughs> but you were accepted to my illustrious high school <laughs> French exchange program. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Totally inappropriate. I don't care about anything you did in high school. I mean, okay. If you built an orphanage on the top of Mount Everest, <laughs> then you're allowed to talk about high school. Yeah. Otherwise, don't talk about high school. Even All then, right. you'd, you'd hope that they would have done something since then. Yeah, no shit. Huh? Semicolon, I participated in an immersion program at the University of Burgundy and earned my major in French, semi, or parentheses, and psychology, close parentheses, semicolon, semicolon, I taught English for a year in the French public school system, semicolon, and finally, comma, I was introduced to a f- to federal contracting. What? The- this has got to be a troll. <laughs> what is going on here? None of these things is this a have anything to do with one another. <laughs> what does introduced to federal contracting have to do with these other things? Also, these are like line items from your resume. I don't know what to say. I know your major because I have your resume. You don't need to be talking about your major in your personal statement. That's the end of the first paragraph. Okay. Braun can go ahead and just axe. Take your sword out, Braun, and just chop that whole first sentence or the whole first paragraph because that was garbage. Okay. Hey, next. By the way, who's Braun in. Game of Thrones. Bronn is, uh, he's like the cell sword. He's the uh, mercenary uh, fighter guy. Is he the guy who like never talks? No, he talks kind of a lot. He does a lot of like drinking and whoring and killing people. And he's just like murderer for hire. He ends up being buddies with, uh, well, let's see. I don't oh, so he got, he's got the long hair and he's, he's buddies with the girl, right? <sighs> buddies with the girl. The, the little girl, the daughter. Oh. No? Arya? Yeah. Dude, I don't even remember. It was so, so long ago. I do kind of want to rewatch the first like seven seasons of Game of Thrones, but I'm disavowing all knowledge of the horrible final season was such trash. Dude, they fucked it up so bad. Hmm. Anyways, Braun with his sword, which is desperately needed now. And semicolons, by the way, they're revoked from you and they're revoked from everyone else. <laughs> No one is allowed to use them ever again. As I alluded to earlier, oh my goodness. Oh my God. Mistakes, this is in the passive, have been a wonderful teacher. Aw. Dude, hold on a second. This is only the second paragraph. As I alluded to earlier, like you're, <laughs> it wasn't 20 minutes ago. I mean, it was 20 minutes ago because it takes us so long to get through how shitty this first paragraph was. Yeah, but this is literally a second ago. <laughs> it was two seconds ago. Also, you didn't allude to it. You fucking said it. I mean, it wasn't like, <laughs> I'm, I'm still looking for an example of your claim that mistakes have been a wonderful teacher. You, you made that claim in the first paragraph. Now you're making that claim again. Where's your evidence? Like, I don't, uh, okay. I have learned some random like resume bullet points about Braun, but I I haven't learned anything about Braun using language as a tool. I haven't learned anything about Braun making mistakes and learning from them. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Sorry, right. go ahead. Braun continues. Mistakes have been a wonderful teacher. One such mistake was an error in pronunciation. You mispronounced a word. Come on. For the, <laughs> for the first three months of my immersion program, I introduced myself as a student to anyone that I met. However, only during the last month of the program did someone finally tell me that I needed to stop pronouncing the T at the end of French word. I'm going to pronounce it as etudian. Etudian. Etudian, maybe? Oh, the, and he's like, saying you need to stop pronouncing the T at the end. So he was oh. going around like a dumbass going, hi, etudiant. I'm an etudiant. <laughs> right. For three months. Otherwise, wait, comma, otherwise? You actually need a period or a semicolon there. Otherwise, and I would... Dude, this is, by the way, sorry to keep interrupting you. That's okay. But <laughs> the... <laughs> Don't talk about your writing or your language skills in your personal statement because you're going to have people like me and like Ben who are better at it than you are. And (laughs) the second you start bragging about your language abilities, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, what about your garbage use of uh, semicolons up here? And what about the missing comma here? And what about the unnecessary comma here? And what about the bad word choice here? (laughs) Like, Just don't do that. Don't talk about language. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, it's like you just paint a big bullseye on yourself for assholes like me to <laughs> like you're just begging for <laughs> talk about what you did no you're actually plain spoken about it there's no place to talk about your writing because it's like small dogs right small dogs bark the loudest <laughs> right when you're good <laughs> the at writing worst writers talk about how good they are at writing yeah, yeah. I've never seen a good writer say, oh, and then my writing skills improved dramatically as I did double. It's like, we see you're a good writer. We see that every sentence is punctuated perfectly, sounds <laughs> nice, flows, doesn't make mistakes, is catchy, but not in an obvious way either, right? We've talked about that before. Anyways, otherwise, Braun continues, I was referring to myself as a female student. Oh, if you pronounce the T, it makes you female? Hmm. Whatever. Who cares? It was a harmless mistake, Braun <laughs> says. But the embarrassment was enough to make me never forget that lesson. That's your lesson? You learned how to pronounce a French word? Oh, come to my law school. I got more lessons for ben, you. Ben, did you know that the word embarrassada <laughs> in Spanish means pregnant? Uh, no, I did That's not. an embarrassing mistake that people make a lot when they learn <laughs> Spanish. They think that they're, you know, they say that they are muy embarazado or muy embarazada. And I'm what really they're saying, pregnant. Ben, is that they're pregnant. And that's yeah. a real embarrassing mistake. I don't fucking care, Braun, that you made an embarrassing gender mistake in your French lessons. Who gives a fuck. What? <laughs> it's such a trivial issue, right? Yeah. It's like it's like me writing in my personal statement about how much I hated the California State Lottery. It's like, grow up, dude. <laughs> like, that's not what this document is supposed to be about. Be a fucking professional person. This is like, Braun's getting all artsy here, right? But all, all Braun's doing here is giving the impression that he doesn't have anything more important to talk about. He's caught up in trivial things. Yeah, that's yeah. two paragraphs that need to completely go. Yep, so those are gone. Hope that was helpful. Braun continues, as a teacher, comma, in efforts to sharpen the tool of language further. Wait, have stop, you been sharpening? Stop with the, f- <laughs> dude, Braun's fucking 
<laughs> just sharpening. It's got the whetstone out. <laughs> got to shave off that T at the end of etudian. Let me tell you, people who sharpen the tool of language are people who actually change the way language is used. For example, Samuel Johnson or someone like that who has made <laughs> a difference in the language. Most people have no effect on the language. Yeah, and if your tool was that sharp, you wouldn't have said sharpen twice. You would have used hone in at least one of those instances. So what are you even doing? Like, stop yeah. talking about how, like, lose the metaphor entirely and then stop talking about how good you are at language. Tell me something serious about yourself. In an effort to sharpen or in efforts to sharpen the tool of language further, I attempted to leave all ambiguity behind. What the actual <laughs> fuck are you talking about? <laughs> well, let's see here. We have an actual example. In classes with 20 or more students and no other teacher by my side. Oh, a leader of many, I see. I could not afford to be unclear. <laughs> wow. What could have happened if Braun had been unclear? When just a single student I was teaching misunderstood the meaning of my words, it was a detriment to my class. Students that, you want to use the word who, by the way, students that had been following the lesson quickly lost focus while I tried to re-explain to the student that, should be who, <laughs> was confused. <laughs> this see, is the problem Bron, that all teachers do. You do you see what with. happens, Bron? Do you see what happens, Bron, when you talk about language? You turn a real nice guy like Ben Olsen into a dick like me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, um, (laughs) this problem, too, is like not a problem. And you're going to have law professors reviewing your personal statement who are going to be like, yeah, I deal with this all the time, and my class has 90 people in it. Well, and every law class... The actual purpose of every fucking law class is to try to get you confused. They're going to call on you. They're going to ask you questions until you say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. So (laughs) what are you talking about? I mean, Ben and I are both professional teachers. And so like Ron now lecturing me about teaching and how you never make a mistake. What? (laughs) I make mistakes all the fucking time. And so what? It's part of the learning process. Yeah. Uh, maybe your teaching methods differ from mine, Braun, but it's real annoying, right? Braun is lecturing people who know more about the law on the law at the beginning of the statement, lecturing people who are probably better at writing about language, mm-hmm. lecturing people who are could very well be professional educators about education. This all has to go. Every (laughs) single word. Let's sharpen your personal statement by clearing it (laughs) out. Anyways, Ron continues. I learned that in order to bring the most benefit to my students, oh dear, you're having some great lesson that you're now going to bestow upon us from on high. I needed to communicate extremely clearly and efficiently. Initially... I had expected this experience to improve my French language skills, but in the end, 
I actually learned more about communicating in my own language. <sighs> now we're just thinking, oh, you're the master communicator? Gag me. Uh, this honestly makes me want to vomit. Um, notice, you know, it, did Braun read this out loud? Because I don't know. <laughs> I needed to communicate extremely clearly and efficiently yeah. initially. So that's <laughs> four out of five words in a row that end in ly. Yeah. And then in the and then later says the word actually, which you don't ever need to say. Never. <laughs> the word actually Every, and the word variably very can just be gone. Goodbye. Hey. Yeah. Do a control F for the word very and just delete it. Also do a control F for L Y. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you should get rid of every single one of them. And I know I slip into it and I say I use L-Y words all the time. But boy, they are rarely useful. It was <laughs> in the context in which I just used it. <laughs> but I could have said never. I mean, it, yeah. like it, it just you don't you just don't need that. So boy, extremely clearly and efficiently. Yeah. Initially, actually, come on, get rid of all that. Braun continues, after teaching, the chain reaction continued. Oh, wow. It almost, As they do, boy. Chain reactions. <laughs> That's one thing about them. <laughs> the weird thing about this like metaphor is that it takes any sort of action that you've taken in your life that you could be getting credit for now and attributes it to some mm-hmm. like automatic process that's apparently just happening on its own regardless of your choices or behavior. It's all just conclusions too. It's like, instead of giving me concrete examples, <clears throat> you're just telling me how, how much you learned, you know? And it's like, yeah, no shit. Teaching is one of the best ways to learn. I get, yeah, I get it. But you could have told me real stories from teaching instead of just all these big conclusions about teaching Oh, but now we're after teaching. Okay, here we go. Can't wait to see what's next because we can cut everything so far. So Yep, it's all gone. <clears throat> maybe we're getting into the meat of it here. And we, we cut this sentence. The chain reaction continued. Maybe this mm-hmm. is the beginning of your personal statement. I began working for a global pub- public health nonprofit thanks to my French fluency. Okay, I don't love that sentence, but imagine if that were your first sentence. We would have such a different impression of you. I began working for a global public health nonprofit thanks to my French fluency. I would drop the word thanks, but... Um, we yeah, would... there's other ways you can get the point across that you speak French. The fact that you speak French is a feather in your cap, absolutely. And the fact that you And I would love working... to hear what you did Yeah. at this... You know, and it's not just like I studied French and I went to France, so and I have like kind of conversational French. If you're like... Prof- this is like professional, like business French, I would yeah. assume. That's awesome. But now just tell me a story from work, dude. Like, you know, I don't need the bragging about your language abilities and your French ability. If you just told me in one sentence that you were working professionally in French, I would be like, damn. Yeah, but I mean, even if we left this sentence as it were as it is, it would be <laughs> 10, 100 times better than anything you've said so far. What you've said yes. so far has hurt you. This would yes. be like, oh, okay, well, you had a job at one point. Sounds like it was abroad and used French. Wow. I would know things about you that would impress me as opposed to turn me away. Yes. The next sentence says medical care development international MCDI 
had just begun working on the U.S. President's Malaria Initiative, Impact Malaria, a federal IDIQ contract issued by the U.S. Agency for International Development. Boy, there's just like so much garbage thrown at me right there. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch of shit that I don't know what it is. I'm not particularly interested in it. Not the way Braun has positioned it. I'm not. Yeah, just say like I began working on a malaria <laughs> initiative. Yeah, what did you do for the U.S. government or for you know a global public health nonprofit? Okay, great. What did you do? I was essential in communicating <sighs> with our teams. How do you pronounce that, Benin? Yeah, Benin, Niger, sure. and maybe Benin. Yeah, and the De- Democratic Republic of the Congo. Due to the fact, that's another phrase you never need. Due right. to the fact that my direct supervisor did not speak any French. It's oh. like the only thing Braun has going for himself is that he speaks French and he just yeah. keeps saying over and over, I speak French. And now he's kind of throwing his supervisor under the bus for not <laughs> speaking French. And <clears throat> mm. I helped kick off the project by drafting dual language contracts and establishing an office in Kinshasa. Kinshasa. Um, what's up with the hyphen in kickoff? I have no idea. If, if you had a kickoff meeting, you might be able to use the hyphen there. Mm-hmm. But when you helped kick off the project, definitely no hyphen. Yep. To furnish the office, I solicited quotes from vendors. After receiving five quotes, I built an Excel tool to compare all of the price points so that we could demonstrate a fair and open competition since that is required by the Federal Acquisition Regulation, which we would later be audited against. (laughs) Ben? Yes? Do you believe that Braun built an Excel tool? (laughs) (laughs) It says so right here. (laughs) If by tool you mean you made a spreadsheet, then I believe you. Was I do not believe that you like busted out the visual basic for Excel and started <laughs> writing scripts. You didn't do that. You wrote some formulas. You made a spreadsheet. Don't oversell it. I'm waiting for this Excel document to be in French. <laughs> hey, I'm evidence-based, dude. If I see the tool, I will apologize. This for expo- now, I don't yeah. believe it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. This exposure to a federal agency contract was the next link in the chain reaction that oh, brought me to my current Off job. with the chain reaction. <laughs> Dear God. Presently, you know, people think they have to have like a theme, like they have to, ooh, I'm being super artsy with the thread. The chain, Ben, if you will. The chain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cut it. Every single one of it. Don't ever, don't. Nope. Oh, your life? Wait, you mean to tell me (laughs) that your life is a sequence of interconnected things? Holy shit. They, wait, you mean like one thing impacts the next thing and that impacts the next thing? (gasps) Oh shit, I never, boy, I thought it was just like totally random every single day and nothing ever had anything to do with the next thing that happened. I'm starting to think about all the chain reactions in my life, or the chain reaction. 
Brian continues with this word presently. By the way, um, <laughs> I never see this word in any sort of modern writing, but I did see it a lot. I picked up this book I was reading to the kids. It was like, what was it? Maybe it was the Tales of Benjamin Bunny. Remember that guy? Like Peter Rabbit? I do not. Peter Rabbit. They had a movie that came out recently. Anyways, but if you, the books themselves were written like in the early uh, 1900s. And they use presently okay. all the time. It's like really weird. It's like you read these sentences yeah. like presently. It's got a little old timey flavor to it. This is one of the, by the way, if, if Braun would have done the control F and then searched for L-Y, mm-hmm. presently would have been highlighted and maybe Braun would have had the opportunity to cut it. But Yeah. Presently, I work as a federal contractor to help the government function more efficiently. <laughs> What? (laughs) (laughs) Braun's the problem, Ben. All we got to do is get rid of Braun because Braun is the one who's helping the federal government work so efficiently. I mean, (laughs) either that or goddamn, imagine how terrible the government would be without Braun. Anyone could say this about any job. My job is to help you function more efficiently. I provide services. (laughs) Dude, it's a total, it's a conclusion it's not it's it's not clear for all your talk about how clear you are of communicating uh, at communicating <laughs> avoiding ambiguity is, uh, at all costs wait what was it what the I fuck attempted do to you leave mean all ambiguity behind right now you are being as ambiguous ambiguous as fuck yeah you what do you mean you help the government function more efficiently mm, let's look we have what more do you clarification do? We, okay. we, oh, we, you, not you as a contractor anymore. We provide support to various agencies, various in government acquisition, human capital, and program management services. I have no clue what's going on. I have no idea what you're talking about, Bron. I don't know. I have, I, I feel like I have learned almost nothing about you. You seem, okay, wait, you speak French. You used to be a teacher. You're some sort of government lackey. <laughs> That's all I know. Like, I don't <laughs> You're government lackey. Who's getting money from the government probably through a contractor that shouldn't have a contract with the government. Yeah, it sounds completely ineffectual. I mean, it's like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're doing anything because you're not giving me any specifics. It sounds like government speak, you know? It's all it earlier remember earlier when Braun went with the Medical Care Development International MCDI US President's Malaria Initiative Impact Malaria Federal IDIQ contract block you know remember that? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, MCDI has never appeared again in this personal statement. Oh, it does. <laughs> right at the end. Oh. Well that that's like that reminds me a lot of that uh, military speak. Mm-hmm. Remember a personal statement a few episodes ago when yeah. we were busting on somebody for all the military speak? Yeah. This is like that. This is that military government speak where you're just throwing in a whole bunch of nonsense, broad generalizations and weird acronyms that I don't give a fuck about. Like I'm learning nothing about you. It's like you're an energy vampire. Don't be an energy vampire. This is an energy vampire. This is just like blah, 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 blah. And it's like you're sucking the soul out of me. You're feeding off of, you're feeding off of me. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> That's a what we do in the shadows rest- reference, by the way, Ben. You have to watch that show. I will. In it's continuing good. the theme of using language as a tool. Oh, you're going to, 
Hmm. Okay. Going, alluding back. <laughs> and continuing with the bogus metaphor that I've been using throughout this horrible personal statement. I recently completed compliance reviews for the largest procurement in the U.S. Forest History's U.S. Forest Service's history. Hey, there we go. That's a thing I actually want to hear about. Start over, Braun. Rewrite this entire thing. It's absolute garbage. Get rid of everything, literally. Start over. Blank sheet of paper. Please tell me about the compliance reviews you did for the largest procurement in the U.S. Forest Service's history. What did they procure? What did you have to review? What were the problems you faced? How did you exactly. solve them? Yep. Okay. Let's hear about that. That's not, that's like serious business shit. That's like serious lawyer shit. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Law schools love government lackeys. That's mostly what lawyers are is like a kind of a government lackey, you know, like you're a cog in the machine, right? Yeah. So the fact that you did all this compliance shit, like it's super boring, but law schools love that stuff. And so I would like yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. If this indeed was the largest procurement in the U.S. Forest Service's history, damn, that's like a that's like big business, big government. You're responsible for the compliance. Wow. Like, tell me a story from that project, and I'll learn so much more about you than all this bullshit with the chain and the tools and the all that. I reviewed the solicitation issued by the Forest Service and its nine amendments in order to create a tool. Uh, Spreadsheet. By the way, the this is confusing because it says, I recently, re- I'm sorry, I reviewed the solicitation issued by the Forest Service and its nine amendments. Well, it's the nine amendments to the solicitation, but oh, yeah. the it sounds Bad. like yeah. <laughs> the Forest Service's amendments. Right. In order to create a tool, which I then used... To assess each bid. Ooh, you created another tool. I reported my findings to the capitalized technical review board and was able to help them eliminate bids so they could focus their technical assessments exclusively on those that were compliant with the solicitation. There's something there. Like, you know, I think you need to expand on that. You, you need, need to, to expand talk on these more specifically need, about your role. But. You need to write these sentences better, but at least the substance is potentially yeah. here. Because I was able to reduce the work of people at a higher pay grade I saved the government both time and money okay that's just like (laughs) really general currently I'm working with the US Agency for International Development to complete compliance reviews of over 800 applicants for two positions at their mission in Uganda once again I need a capitalized on mission there yeah once again basing my assessments on the solicitation and removing all applicants that don't who don't meet the minimum requirements or that if it's a company. But That's an incomplete sentence, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's so strange. That's not a sentence. Once again, I based my assessments on the solicitation and removed all applicants that didn't meet the minimum requirements. Okay. There are things you can talk about. You got to talk about this stuff. And the fact that you did this again shows that you did well the first time and that led to you, you don't need to tell people, that led to my next position at the U.S. Agency for International Development. But you um, have two stories that are related to legal work that you could talk about here. Oh, my gosh. Now we're into the last paragraph. My ability to solve the puzzles of language set off the chain reaction that brought me to where I am today. 
I derive and create precise <laughs> meaning from language, and as a result, I have succeeded in each role I've held. <laughs> Gross. Oh, my God. <laughs> this success is demonstrated by the promotions I've received at both MCDI and in my current role at Jefferson Consulting. I hope to continue to sharpen the tool of language and... But run on sentence here. And I hope to do so in law school. Okay, man. (laughs) You really got to protect you from yourself. Yep. You have things that you you could write about some good stuff, leave it at that, and people would be impressed by you. And you'd just be like, don't ask me to communicate with you in any other case because I might be tempted to throw out a bunch of shit that's going to actually make me look worse. It's yeah. Uh, Braun. Yeah. We love you, Braun. And you know, we love you. You wouldn't have submitted the personal statement to be brutalized if you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. And if you didn't know that we were doing it because we want to help you. Um, But you're not as good of a writer as you think you are. And you have to stop talking about your language abilities. Your 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 privileges have been fully revoked to talk about your language abilities. That goes for everybody. Just don't 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 talk about your writing in your personal statement. Lose the chain metaphor. Lose the tool metaphor. Lose the puzzles of language. Don't talk about that at all. You know, Braun's trying to get all artsy with this theme at the top and the theme at the bottom. And you don't have time. You don't have, there's no time for all that. No, nope. we're here to learn about you. The best way to teach us about you is to tell us actual stories. I wonder you gotta if, go deeper, more detail, not so high level. I wonder if people would benefit from getting in. Like, I think a lot of people, we tell people this over and over again. And apparently, a lot of people still just don't get it. Like, what do you mean by unpacking these two stories or these two instances in your career, if we can call it that, where you did some work on, right, these compliance reviews or whatever? Um, I wonder if it would help people to read news articles from like the New York Times and just get a feel of what each sentence is saying. It's like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. I'm not talking about opinion pieces in the newspaper. I'm talking about articles that relate to you what happened at a certain event. You need to write sentences that sound like a lot of those sentences. For example, I don't want to hear you talk about compliance reviews of over 800 applicants for two positions at their mission in Uganda. I want to hear about one of those positions and I want to hear about one of those applicants. I want to hear about one challenge you faced. Like for example, there was a super great looking application where you found a devastating problem with it and you surprised everybody by throwing it out. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you found an application that on the surface looked like it was probably trash, but you were able to, you know, like find the diamond in the rough and you were able to help them correct their application maybe so that it, you know, and that ends up being the winning bid or whatever, something like that. That would be a good story to tell me. 
like <laughs> specific problem that you identified and a specific solution created by you. And that does so much more than all this real big high level can, you know, conclusions about how you saved the government time and money. I just don't believe you because you didn't give me any like detail to support that conclusion. I mean, I do believe you, Braun, because I know you're well-meaning and listening to the show and you clearly care and you like, you want to make this better. But if I didn't know you at all, if I was just a random law school reading this and you were some random applicant who I didn't have any connection to, why, why should I believe your grand conclusions if you haven't given me the actual, you know, the detailed evidence to back it up? Thanks for writing in. I hope that gives you some direction. There are, this happens all the time. People just write a bunch of shit and there's like one or two sentences in there in which you were like, okay, that's about your work experience. Expand that to two pages. Well, they're trying to, they're trying to like sum up their whole life, right? Or their whole career. I mean, Braun is taking it all the way back to high school and then going through a teaching job, which isn't really relevant, I don't think. And then going into this global public health nonprofit and then going into federal contracting, Mm -hmm. all that shit's on your resume already. You're not supposed to be rehashing every single step. We don't, I'm not, not looking for the 40,000 foot view here. I'm looking for, I want, I want to, I need your application to come to life. And the way your application is going to come to life is by telling me a detailed story about a problem you encountered, probably something within the last year, leave all that other shit behind. I don't, I don't care about the chain reaction. I care about where you are now. Right. Mm -hmm. Go back and go back and listen to the episode where we read Matt Dumont's personal statement. I think it's 253. Okay. 253. Okay. I hope you're right. Hope so. Um, we'll link to it in the show notes. Go to thinkingelset.com, subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get the show notes delivered automatically every week. Matt was like, here was a problem. Our business, here was a specific crisis. Here's what I did about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't need to make the conclusion of saved time and money. Just show me an example of that. And I'll be like, oh, great. Yeah, you're, you're a person who solves problems. Mm-hmm. Love you, Bron. Start over. I just confirmed also that it is episode 253. So it's at the end of that. That was a very successful personal statement. Matt got over a million dollars in scholarship offers as a result of his 170 something and his, I mean, he's just an awesome applicant, but that personal statement made him look like somebody who gets shit done. That starts at 41 minutes in episode 253. All right. Well, thanks. Join the Thinking LSAT podcast on Facebook. Like our pages at LSAT Demon. Face at, group? What the heck is wrong with me today? I said. I don't know. That was like problems. a dad joke. Face group? Facebook group. Join <laughs> our LSAT podcast group on Facebook. I was yawning just a I mean, don't ago. actually. Don't just get off Facebook. Facebook sucks. But if you're on Facebook, yeah, if you're on Facebook, Facebook and you group. like communicating yeah. in that way, um, mm-hmm. Like our pages at LSAT Demon at Thinking LSAT. Follow 
us on Instagram at Thinking LSAT and at LSAT Demon. Follow us on Twitter at Thinking LSAT and follow Nathan at NFox. Um, the podcast website is thinkinglsat.com and our joint online class, live class, not live class, <laughs> all our options are at lsatdemon.com. We look forward to seeing you there. It's the best way and it's the least expensive way to get a full class. Dude, I just can't gonna imagine. spend $2,000 on Kaplan. I mean, or, oh, wait a second. I forgot because Kaplan gave you a amazing $500 off. So you're <laughs> going to spend $1,400 on Kaplan. No, a couple hundred bucks a month. Subscribe to the LSAT demon study with me and Ben and our awesome team, please. <laughs> it's, it's in our best interest, but it's also in your best interest that just, it's a no brainer. Do it. Yep. And it's growing quickly. So the community is getting bigger and bigger, which is great for everybody. Anyways. Yeah. The tool gets better and better. The more people use it. Thank you. Everybody who is using the demon. Thank you so much for trusting us with your LSAT prep. And <clears throat> thank you for hitting the ask button. Whenever there's anything you don't understand, boy, as a teacher, all I want you to do is to tell me shit you don't understand. And every single page of the demon has the ask button right there prominently. It's mm -hmm. an opportunity for you to write some, you know, lots of times you're going to answer your own question just by filling out the, the box on the ask button. But if you hit that ask button and you tell us what you don't understand, we're going to get back to you promptly. And that's the fastest way you can possibly improve. I mean, I suppose it's faster to come to class and ask us directly. But if you hit that ask button, I mean, Jackson and company are getting back to those ask button requests, like within 24 hours, almost always. So mm -hmm. um, we got a bunch of killers working for us in the demon. And if you hit the ask button, our team of teachers is going to help you. That's all you really got to do. So do that, please. Please. Or you can take a shitty Kaplan class where it's all pre-recorded shit and you can't even ask any questions <laughs> slash your teacher doesn't know what they're talking about. That's the biggest problem, right? <laughs> You're going to be given advice that's going to send you down the wrong path. That's just it's a waste. It's worse yeah. than a waste of time. Yeah. That was episode 260 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Mm -hmm.